Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Any Given You podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Megan, and we have an awesome, awesome show for you today. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind everyone that if you're enjoying our content, please make sure that you give us a rating and review. And if you've already done that, take a, t- a minute to tell some of your friends about the podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms. Also follow us on Instagram at Any Given You. Hit the link tree to get access to everything Any Given You. Here it is, folks. It is our college football playoff game previews looking into what should be a great slate of matchups between the best four teams in the land. We've got the Alabama Crimson Tide, the gold standard for college football led by Heisman winner Bryce Young and the greatest coach to ever do it, the one and only Nick Saban, taking on the Group of Five King and America's underdog, Cincinnati, led by quarterback Desmond Ritter, and a nightmare secondary headlined by Ahmad Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And then in Miami, we have a matchup between the victors themselves, the Big Ten champions, Michigan, in what Many has call, have called uh, Jim Harbaugh's most complete and best team yet. They are headlined by Aiden Hutchinson versus Kirby Smart's Georgia Bulldogs team that is absolutely loaded to the gills with talent and is a perennial championship contender. They're squaring off in the Orange Bowl. Each one of these teams is, is unique in what they're able to do. There is a path to victory for any of these four outstanding teams, uh, and that's what we're here to dive into a little bit. We want to talk about that. I want to start with the match between Alabama and Cincinnati, as I've gotten the impression that this match has been a bit undersold by the media, Uh, in particular when you're taking a look at ESPN. I feel like Georgia and Michigan has really hogged the spotlight in the press, which leads me to believe that there's a sentiment out there that an Alabama victory is a foregone conclusion. And although Alabama will remain my betting favorite as of now, there is still a viable path to a win in this game for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Alabama comes into this contest with one of the finest offensive attacks in all of college football. The combination of Bryce Young and this Alabama receiving core is downright scary and has been downright scary at times this season. Alabama has won the college football playoff several times by now. I think, what is it, six with Nick Nick Saban? Um, Alabama, well, six national championships, but uh, in their – uh, college football playoff semifinal games, they win by an average margin of 18 points. Now, if you're going off the Alabama that we saw in the SEC championship game, this Crimson Tide squad likely demolishes Cincinnati. But if we see an Alabama team that we saw at times this season, I'm referencing the LSU game, obviously the loss that they took to Texas A&M, what we saw out of them against Auburn, even Arkansas pushing them uh, to the limits in regular season play. This could be an interesting game. Now, the tale of the tape for these two squads, we have 
Alabama coming in averaging 42.2 points per contest. Offensively, defensively, they allow about 20.2 points per contest before you knock the defense too much, and average defense gives up about 27.5 points per game. So they they have a better-than-average defense. What really jumps off the screen to me here is the 347.9 passing yards per game. That's 200 more passing yards than they have rushing yards. So definitely tilted in favor of the passing game. And uh, then for defensively, they're actually extremely stout against the run. Only 82 yards per contest given up. There's only one team in the country that's better. That's that's Georgia at 81 yards per contest given up. So very stout, very comparable to that really illustrious uh, Georgia defense this year. For Cincinnati, they average right at 39 points a contest. They only allow 16 points a contest, an outstanding defensive unit for themselves. 305 yards per contest given up. Um, they they do run an offensive attack that's a little little closer balanced. Uh, under 250 yards passing per game, right at about 180 yards rushing. Now for this contest, Alabama is favored by the football power index at about 70% win probability in this one. Um, they are 13 and a half point favorites and the over under for this is 57 and a half. The keys to victory in this game, when I'm taking a look at this, how does Cincinnati, what is the path here to take on what is the juggernaut of college football? And obviously the betting favorite for the national championship or maybe the betting favorite for the national championship. Keys to victory for Cincinnati. First off, they need to pressure Bryce Young. And I know that kind of goes, you know, like, duh, yeah, no shit. But what I'm talking about is how many times, it's not necessarily how many times you can just sack Bryce Young. It's how many times can you give him what I like to call the Triple H treatment? That is hit, hurry, harass right? Hit, hurry, and harass. How many times can you touch him, get close to him? More importantly, how many times can you get Bryce Young to throw the ball away? He only has four interceptions on the year, but he does have a tendency when pressured or when he hears the footsteps to throw the ball away. He'll he'll burn a few into the, he'll throw some worm burners out there. Let's put it that way. He'll, he'll find a receiver in the area, but he'll burn it. And that's fine. That's a mark of good field awareness uh, taking care of the game, taking care of the ball, that that makes him a good field general out there. But again, that's still a down that is going in the defense's favor. How many times can you get him to throw it away? Auburn did a really good job with this, as did LSU, getting close, getting that pressure on him, and, and having him af- affect his quarterback play in such a way that he threw it away. Arkansas also did a really good job at this. Uh, funny enough, with only a three-man rush running that three-three-five stack that they run. So, how many times can you get them to to chuck it uh, into the dirt? I think that's that's first off. So, hit, hurry, harass Bryce Young. Get to the nerve center of what they do offensively, and make it tough on him. The second thing that I think Cincinnati needs to do, and a key to victory, is take advantage of John Mechie's absence. Uh, I think with him being out, this could allocate more attention to Jamison Williams with a Cincinnati secondary that is already supremely talented 
with true lockdown corners on either side of the field, as well as a tremendous safety that they have over the top. And they play really well as a unit. If John Mechie's absence kind of, you know, degrades this passing attack in any way, shape, or form, leaves a little bit of a hold there. You're able, I think, as this Cincinnati secondary, you have enough talent on that back end to allocate a little more attention to Jamison Williams and trust one of your cover guys in the secondary with taking on what is presumably probably Ja'Cory Brooks or Slade Bolden. I think that they could take advantage of that and and come up with some ways to kind of slow that Alabama passing attack down. I think a third and final key to victory here for Cincinnati, something that I think could pay some serious dividends if they were able to use it properly, is I think they need to leverage Desmond Ritter as a runner in third and fourth and short situations to keep Alabama's defense on the field, keep Bryce Young off the field, and chew the clock. I'm thinking back to Alabama's playoff loss to Ohio State back in 2014 when Ohio State essentially did just that. They got into third and short, third and very manageable situations, even some fourth down and very short situations, and used Cardale Jones, his big body basically, to run and lean forward and pick up first downs, allowing Ohio State to stay on the field and really just hog the ball and milk the clock and change field position on Alabama. I think Desmond Ritter is big and strong enough to be able to take some shots, take some hits. He's he's durable, you know, he's a resilient guy. And I think he, you know, definitely would a signature win over a team like this. I think he'd be willing to put his body on the line a little bit. Uh, so how many times can they get into third and three, third and two, fourth and one, fourth and inches, and use him to just basically battering ram it forward with getting 10 blockers involved in the game and and, and giving a dimension of that offense to Alabama to have to defend. So for Alabama, key to victories for me is to move Will Anderson around and find the one-on-one matchups. Try to find ways for Will Anderson to affect this Cincinnati offense, either by creating havoc on his own or by using him to draw extra attention to allow his defensive teammates to create splash plays defensively, which takes me into the next point, which is create splash plays and negative plays. I think what Alabama needs to do defensively is to keep Cincinnati in obvious passing situations on third down that would, again, negate those third and short, fourth and short situations where you're using Desmond Ritter as the runner. They need to be looking at third and five, third and six, third and seven. And I think the way that you do that is you create some negative plays and some splash plays on early downs and get them behind the sticks. They have the defensive personnel to do this. If they can do this on a couple of drives and get a couple of, you know, three and outs, a couple of uh, early stops and put the ball in the hands of Bryce Young in this offense, I think that that is a huge swing in momentum to Alabama's cause. The third key that I think would be a huge key to victory for Alabama would be I would like to use the I would like to see them use the tight ends and running backs as extensions of the run game. They're very thin at running back right now. Running the ball isn't really their bread and butter right now. In fact, we saw them 
basically wholeheartedly abandon the run game in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Bryce Young being the leading rusher on the day just by creating scramble plays with his feet. The running game is not really the priority to this Alabama offense. It's how they can move the ball down the field with their elite quarterback and their elite pass catchers. So using the tight ends and running backs as an extension of the run game with Cincinnati's excellent cover corners and safeties, I think Alabama needs to test Cincinnati's linebackers in coverage using guys like Brandon Latu, Jaleel Billingsley, um, Brian Robinson, and Trey Sanders. So hit those guys out of the backfield, create a situation where that Cincinnati defense needs to start cheating up, and then that will set up your kill shots to Jameson Williams and uh, presumably Ja'Cory Brooks. Now, given the factors at play in this competition, the fact that both of these defensive units are stout, Bama comes in a little bit banged up, not as deep at running back or wide receiver, and the fact that Cincinnati doesn't really have a wide receiver that can really take the top off this Bama defense. You know, although Alec Pierce is a very good uh, big body possession wide receiver, he's not really somebody that's just going to take the top off these guys. And the fact that the Bearcats offensive line could be a cause for concern against this Alabama front because so much of what Cincinnati does offensively is built off the run. I like Alabama's rush defense, again, only giving up 82 yards per game to really stall Cincinnati's offensive production in a lot of ways. And I'm inclined to take the under 57 and a half points in this contest. I think we'll see a defensive strategy from both of these squads that will force the opposing offenses to take longer drives to hit pay dirt. I think we may see a tight fight for a half, but with Bryce Young's ability to create and frustrate opposing defenses and Alabama's ability to create splash plays on defense, I think the tide will pull away and cover their 13 and a half point spread. So I think we could be looking at a contest that looks a lot like the 2017 Clemson versus Bama matchup or even the 2016 Alabama versus Washington matchup. So give me the tide to cover. I like them in this one, 28 to 13 over Cincinnati. For the Orange Bowl match, we have a heavyweight fight. It is Clash of the Titans, buckle your chin strap match between the Wolverines and the Bulldogs. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. I am, I'm dubbing this the, the throwback macho bowl. In my opinion, uh, this one has 1980s action movie type vibes all over it. Um, you know, I'm just <laughs> really do. It's like who is going to be more more man, more macho, more butch coming into this one, right? Um, I think these two teams pride themselves on being the baddest kids on the playground and look to physically dominate one another. The path to victory. Um, for these two squads, right, is is so – it's essentially the same. It's so similar. They both need to establish a line of scrimmage, run the ball, stop the run, and look for downfield shots off play action. The field position battle in this one, I think, is going to be crucial. And as always, the turnover battle will be key as well. Um Tail of the tape for these two squads. Obviously, we have the Big Ten champs in Michigan. We have the SEC runner-ups in Georgia. Georgia averages a hair better offensively at 39.5 points per contest versus Michigan's 37 points per contest. 
Georgia defensive dominance, we've talked about it all year. They give up 81 yards rushing per game, about a buck 72 through the air, 253 yards of total uh, defense defensive yardage given up. For Michigan, again, no slouch defensively on their own. They give up 16 points per contest. They have found a way. They are the key to balance. They they throw for about 228. They run for about 223. And they have really kind of hit a new stride offensively. And I think that that's been a huge, huge uh, key to their success this year. It was the ability to keep teams honest in the passing game as well as pound them uh, with their with that patented Jim Harbaugh downhill Michigan rushing attack and play physical keys to victory for these two squads. Michigan, we I think in a lot of ways that there's a lot of games that you could point to third down and and it's it's almost kind of an old cliche at this point. Everybody talks about winning third down. I want to talk about winning first down offensively. I think Michigan needs to gain five or six yards on first down consistently to stay on schedule and keep play calling options open for both the run and the pass. Defensively, I think they need to limit Georgia's ground game to under four yards a touch. If they're able to do that on first down plays and keep Georgia off the sticks while staying on schedule themselves, this is going to go a long way to the Wolverines winning the Orange Bowl. Um, Second key to victory here, I think they need to man up with Georgia's pass catchers, to be honest with you, and I think they will. Georgia has some young, talented receivers, but no real, what I like to call, killers. George Pickens is not at 100%, although he will more than likely play in this contest. He is healthy enough to rotate in, but I I don't know if he's going to be the same George Pickens that we saw from last year, right? If Michigan can force... Georgia to throw. They must get physical with their pass catchers and disrupt the timing of an already questionable passing attack. Uh, you know, either coming from Stetson Bennett or we're not exactly sure what JT's role may or may not be in this game. The another tendency or another key to victory here that I'd like to see Michigan employ is to go up tempo. Michigan should use some tempo when they get the matchups they like. This will limit Georgia's defensive depth and keep them from bringing in multiple packages, which is something that Georgia likes to do. They really are the Swiss Army knife of defense, but that requires them to substitute their packages and personnel onto the field. We saw Alabama take advantage of this by going up-tempo with a base offense, and they kept Georgia's big boys on the field. If you... If Michigan can wear out wear out Georgia's big boys up front, they can finish them with the run. And that is something that Nick Saban was quoted as saying, when you lose the big boys, you don't get them back. And so I think that he put on a clinic of, of doing just that in the SEC championship game. We just saw Georgia's defensive front all sorts, out of sorts completely uh, when they did go with that up-tempo attack. The size up front for Georgia is great, but when you lose it, it does not come back. And so going up tempo, I think, would be a huge uh, a key and a, and a tendency break, right, for Michigan versus this Georgia Bulldogs team. For Georgia, same thing. They need to win first down. The same applies to Georgia, just like I said. Staying ahead of schedule, staying in second and five or less situations will go a long way towards a win. 
I think Georgia should look to throw on first down as well to keep Michigan's defense off balance. And the defensively, Georgia needs to play strong in their run fits and allow their talented and very fast linebackers to hit these Michigan backs for little or no gain or negative plays on early downs. Secondly, I think they need to use Stetson Bennett's mobility. If he's going to get the start, they need to use the mobility this kid has. Georgia should have QB-designed runs and add another dimension to defend for this Michigan defense. The dogs should also consider rolling the pocket to assist in slowing the pass rush of uh, Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo and kind of wear those guys out. Let's test that cardio a little bit, and I think that could also – open up wrinkles in the game such as reverses, tight end rollouts, hitting guys like Darnell Washington and obviously Brock Bowers. And speaking of Brock Bowers, I think another key to Georgia's victory is get the ball to Brock. Brock Bowers is an absolute matchup nightmare. And honestly, the one offensive weapon that Georgia has that I think can take a game over A prime George Pickens could do that. I think this kid Brock Bowers can do that too. With safety Daxton Hill, which is uh, Michigan's extremely talented defensive guy back there, potentially not playing in this matchup, Michigan might have lost their best coverage option on Brock Bowers, and I think Georgia needs to take advantage of that. The last sort of blanket key statement for both of these teams for a key to victory is got it has to be tendency breaks. And and we see this in the championship rounds, and really this could apply to all four of these teams. But for Michigan and Georgia in particular, I think the final key to victory is for both of the teams, Michigan and Georgia alike, they are known, they're not really known, I should say, for for wanting to go off the beaten path of what they want to be. They want to be physical. They want to dominate. They want to do these things. But in these games like this, a few well-executed tendency breaks can make the difference between a win and a loss. And I'd like to see Georgia possibly run two quarterbacks in this game with a few spread packages for JT Daniels to take some downfield shots when the personnel allow it. I'd also like to see James Cook uh, move from running back into the slot and used as a receiver a few times in this game. I think he's a sensational pass catcher. And finally, for Georgia, I'd like to see them use some serious aggression and a willingness to convert on a few fourth downs and plus territory. I mean, go for it. Throw the kitchen sink. You know, take take a little analytics page, a little lane kit, a little dash of Lane Kiffin in there. Go go for it. I think that. Uh, Given the talent that's on the roster and what's on the line, I think if you play aggressively like that from a coaching perspective, I think that the players will respond. For Michigan, going up tempo would be a tendency break. I could see working well against Georgia. Uh, Again, the two-quarterback thing, J.J. McCarthy coming in to run a few specialty plays would also give Georgia something to worry about. And defensively, Perhaps we see them move Ajabo and Hutchinson around at several different positions across that front seven look, across the defensive front, matching them up on guards and centers to wreak havoc inside instead of just sending them off the edge repeatedly. It would be really neat to see them isolated on a guard and see what it is that they can do on the inside. I see this playing out in a slow defensive slugfest despite all my best efforts to preach some tendency breaks for most of the first half, if not three quarters. 
I think Kirby and Harbaugh will be dead dead set on uh, protecting their defenses and trying to win field position and time of possession, right? And keep that snap count down on their defenses. The real key matchup I want to see is the coordinator battle between these two teams. Josh Gaddis versus UGA's defensive staff, whoever the hell is going to be calling the, the defense, and I'm sure Kirby Smart will have his hand deep in that as well. And then Todd Munkin versus Mike McDonald's defense. I think we're in for a chess match that the untrained eye won't be able to appreciate. And what I mean by that is, think in terms of combat sports, this is a grappling match. This is not a boxing match. It's it's probably not going to contain a bunch of really awesome-looking haymakers and huge explosive shots and plays and real exciting knockout stuff. It's going to be more subtle adjustments. It's going to be more of that gaining dominant position, gaining somebody's back, you know, moving in for this submission and that. And to the untrained eye, I think it could be like watching paint dry. But to the real football heads out there, I think they're really going to love this one. And I think the biggest splash plays of the day may come from the defenses and special teams units. Now, that being said, I like Todd Munkin's ability to identify mismatches downfield and dial up some explosive plays. It just depends on whether or not these skill players for Georgia can execute. That's quarterbacks and receivers. I like Georgia's speed advantage across the roster to go with the size to match Michigan. The Wolverines will be focused. They'll be well coached and they'll play their asses off. I am not deluding myself thinking this will be an easy game. This one has the makings of what we've seen from matches like Michigan versus Penn State, also Georgia versus Clemson uh, to start the year. Defensive field position battle, very physical contest. I think when the dust settles, though, I like this Georgia team in wounded animal mode, close to a national championship, close to the first national championship in 41 years. And that's got to matter for something with a roster as talented and as loaded as what Georgia's bringing to the table. I think they make enough ferocious plays on defense and a couple of really physical plays on offense to get the win. I like Georgia 27-17 in this one. I like them to cover that spread. Again, a big impact play on defense or something like that, making the difference in this one. Hey, if you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please do us a favor. Subscribe, follow the podcast, give us a rating and review, or tell some of your friends about the podcast. They can catch us on all major podcast platforms. But more importantly, make sure you don't miss these games. Any given time, any given place, any given team, you get it at any given you.